glad you guys are here tonight. If you're listening online, um, we're glad that you enjoyed this warm evening somewhere else and are taking this in throughout the week. Adam Zandberg, if it's you, just know I love you, bro. And uh, he always listens during work. So um, for those uh, who were here the last couple of weeks, we were talking about baptism. And last week, we just challenged you to be passionate about your faith and just asking the Holy Spirit to fill you with him because this thing isn't about rules or trying to do it right. It's about knowing him and allowing him to direct your, to direct your life. And so I want to I wanna just carry on from that a little bit uh, tonight. This, a couple of weeks ago, I got to go to a baseball game, the Blue Jays. Uh, George's a fan. It's good. My buddy uh, took, me, took me down there. and We went to see, um, see them play against the Boston Red Sox. And Toronto lost to Boston twice that night to in, in baseball and in hockey. And so it was a really depressing ride home. It was the depression session all the way home on the train. But um, he was a Boston fan, so he's getting ribbed real good. But uh, there was this girl beside us. We were like fifth row up on the uh, uh, right on the third base or, yeah, first baseline. And, and as we're sitting there, there's this, this guy and his girlfriend. He brought his girlfriend to the game. And then as uh, things would happen in the game, everybody would cheer. And then she would cheer. And then we'd sit down. And, and then she'd lean over to him. And uh, she'd ask, what, what just happened? Why, why, why were we cheering? And they're like, he got to first base, you know, or, and it'd be like, we cheer. And she's like, but he got out. I'm like, yeah, that's the other team, right? Her boyfriend's trying to explain, like, she's never heard of baseball. And then she was really confused when all of a sudden the whole place erupts in cheering and nothing's happening on the field. And she's like looking like, what did I miss? What did I miss? And they had put the Leafs had scored against the Bruins and it was on the big screen. And so she had no idea what she was doing there. But I thought, man, you know, celebrating something and having no idea why. And I just wondered if you've ever done the same thing. Have you ever celebrated something but had no idea why you were doing it? Um, just in case you don't know, I have a list of some possibilities. St. Patrick's Day. Anybody, uh, anybody celebrate St. Patrick's Day this year? You dressed up in green. Maybe you're like, you know, you, you, you pretend to be Irish for a day, whatever, you know, pull out the, the beard or I don't. Anybody know why we celebrate St. Patrick's Day? Just a show of hands real quick. How many of you celebrated St. Patrick's Day in some way? You wore something green that day? A few. Okay. How many of you, you celebrated it because you knew it was the, the death of the Irish patron saint uh, and we're celebrating the death of that patron saint? One. Okay. So a couple. Um, how about this one? Victoria Day weekend. How many of you are planning to celebrate? Meaning you're going to go take off work. You're going to go away. Many of you. How many of you know why you celebrate it? Queen's birthday. It was either that. It was in the May 2-4 weekend. You know why it's on the May 2-4 weekend? Hmm. Some thought maybe, we'll give you a multiple choice, all right? A or B. A, it's because it's the official start of cottage season, and the hardworking Canadians consume cases of beer along this weekend, and that's why it's called the May 2-4. Or B, it's because it's the first, the first celebration of it was on May 24th, 1819, which was Queen Victoria's 24th birthday. A or B? Thank you. All right. So, but some of you are going to celebrate. You had no idea about that. No idea why. How about this? Labor Day. How many of you celebrate Labor Day? You take it off. Yeah, which is weird to me. You know, you celebrate Labor Day by not working, which is weird when you find out why we celebrate April 15th, 1872. There was a demonstration in Toronto to release 24 leaders of the Toronto Typographical Union who were imprisoned for going on strike to campaign for a nine-hour workday instead of 12. So we celebrate workers and the labor union movement by not working on that day. How many of you are going to celebrate? Yeah. Did you know why? What about Thanksgiving? Do you know why you celebrate Thanksgiving? For the turkey. For the turkey. Yes. For the turkey. 
and, and, and putting up with your family for an extra day all together or watching football or whatever it might be. But with, with Thanksgiving, did you know that the first, anybody, I, I know most of you celebrate Thanksgiving. Can you tell me when the first Thanksgiving was, the, the year it, that it first happened in Canada? Let's, any, any guesses other than people in the back who have my notes? 1578. See, you all, you've all been celebrating something, and you just have no idea why you celebrate it. Did you know that Martin Frobisher was the very first European to celebrate? Um, he was the first European to celebrate Thanksgiving uh, in, on Canadian soil. And was, he was up in the eastern Arctic. He was a sea captain, and uh, they, had pull, they had stopped there to celebrate that they, had a, that they had safely arrived, and they celebrated Thanksgiving on that cold Arctic shore. And you know what else they celebrated while they were there? They all got out of their ship, and they took communion together on that shore. Interesting, because that's the fifth one. How many of you celebrate communion? You've, you've, you've seen the cup, and you've seen the bread before, and you're like, yeah, you know, maybe it's got different terms for you. Maybe it was called the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, the Holy Eucharist. Maybe it was one of those things. But how many of you have seen that before? Just this will be the last show of hands, just so you've seen it because it's on the screen. So like every hand in the place, right? You're just like, I, I don't know. Don't worry. There'll be no more hands after this. But how many of you know why we celebrate that? Really know why? Because maybe for you, as you see that, you know, you, you're like, you look at it and you're like, uh, I'm not sure if I can take one. We're going to celebrate communion tonight. But you're like, uh, maybe, I don't know if I can take one. I'm not like a member of this church. Maybe for you, it's like, I don't really know if I've been real good this week. Like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm worthy enough to take communion tonight. I didn't know it was coming. Maybe for you, you're like, is it, is it wine or is it grape juice? Is the center ring wine or is the outer ring wine? And do you have to sit in the front two rows to get the grape juice or does everybody get grape juice? Maybe you're like thinking, does it really turn into the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus after I eat it? Maybe for you, you think, you know, isn't it the priest who's the only one who's allowed to touch it? Maybe you're just like, you have no idea. You're not raised in church at all. You're like, what, free snacks during the service? Let's do this every week. How come they're so small, right? Maybe that's your thought. Or maybe like, I have no idea. But since they passed it out, everyone else is doing it. All right, I'll take one and put it down. What are your thoughts when it comes to that? You know, communion started the night before Jesus died on the cross. He was sitting with the disciples, and he had this meal with them, a meal that they celebrated every year. And uh, was meant to remind them of something. It was meant to remind them that God had set them free from slavery. And so they're having, they're having this meal. And then Jesus tells them, listen, guys, we've celebrated for, for hundreds of years. Our nation has celebrated this meal for a reason. But now I want to change the reason. I want you to celebrate me every time you take this meal. That old, that old celebration is no longer, we've changed the meaning. It would be on par with us changing Christmas and saying Christmas is not about Jesus, it's about something else. And they've tried. You know, or saying Easter, we're not celebrating Easter about the cross because now it's the Easter bunny. And they've tried. But it'd be that same thing where Jesus is like, hey, we're, we're changing this whole thing. And they'd be a little bit shocked by that. Well, Luke, Luke was a man who wanted to make sure that he got all of the details. He, he was a historian. He, he, wrote, uh, he wrote what the eyewitnesses said. And it says he went and talked to all kinds of eyewitnesses. He's like, tell me the facts. Tell me the details. He wasn't in the room that night. He's like, tell me, what did Jesus say? What were the words that he said? And then he would ask another eyewitness, say, hey, so-and-so said this. Is that true? And, and, and he wrote this one account um, for, a, for somebody called Theophilus so that Theophilus, whoever that was, would know what happened in the life of Jesus and in the life of the apostles. And you can read in Luke chapter 22. You can follow along on the screen. Here's the account of that evening from the, from the 
the voices of the eyewitnesses. The guys who were there, it said, Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. And they're like, that's a little strange. And he's like, do this in remembrance of me. Then after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. It's an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Maybe you can just leave that verse, those verses up there for a minute. You know, he says to them, let this bread, let this bread remind you that my body is broken for you. Do you know really weird about that? That hadn't happened yet. So they're sitting around this table with Jesus. They're like celebrating. It's like a festive thing. And he's like, hey, listen, I just want you guys just see that piece of bread that you just, you got in your hand. I just want you to remember, every time you eat bread like that, I want you to remember that my body was broken for you. And they're like, hey, John, you know what he's talking about? I don't know what he's talking about. Just tell Luke to write it down, right? And then, the, and then later on he says, hey, my blood, it's the new covenant that's for you. And they're like, covenant, we get covenant, but I don't know what he's talking about because it hadn't happened yet. And he basically said to them around the table, fellas, I love you guys so much, I'll wash your feet, but I love you so much that I'm going to die for you. And Peter, right away, big mouth Peter, right away says, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you know, we know you love us. And guess what? We love you too. I'm willing to die for you too, Jesus. As if, as if Jesus is just saying like friendly bonding, male, like male bonding stuff. Guys, I love you. Oh, I love you too. You know, there's no women around. We can talk like this, right? I, I love you. And Peter's like, yeah, I'm willing to die for you. And he's like, Peter, I didn't say I'm willing to die for you. I told you I'm going to die for you. And they started getting a little nervous about it. And he's like, you know what, Peter, actually, you think you're willing to die for me, but you're going to deny me three times tonight. And he's looking at, he's like, and not only that, Judas, he, he let Judas know without telling the rest of the guys, Judas, you're going to betray me. One of you tonight's going to betray me. And Judas is like, what? He knows. He may have said, Thomas, you know what, you're, you're going to doubt that I'm the Messiah, even after, you know, even after I raised from the dead. And basically, fellas, you're all going to leave me. You know, I, I'm going to die for you, and, and, and you're all going to leave, but I want to leave you with something to remember. Take this bread and take this cup, and every time you take it, remember me. Well, they had no idea. They had no idea that that very night they would witness the torture of their best friend and leader, that the next morning they would watch him go through a, through a, a, a false conviction, a fake trial, that they'd watch him walk down the, the road of Golgotha carrying that beam, they had no idea the next morning they're going to watch their master, their leader, their savior, their friend hanging cruelly, bloody on a cross. And that they would watch him die. They're sitting around this table. They're not thinking that at all. And Jesus had said, take this bread, take this cup and remember me. Remember what I'm about to do. And the next day they saw the body broken. They saw the blood shed for them and they were like, it would forever be etched in their mind. You know, we've said it often here. I really don't think that the disciples after that moment needed a piece of bread to remember the smells and the sounds of the crucifixion. They didn't, they didn't need that. That was etched in their mind forever. They didn't need like a little cup of juice to, to remember all of his blood that was spilled out at the base of that cross. That would be etched in their minds forever. So why did he do it? Well, a few days later, you know, they thought the gig was up, but Jesus rises from the dead, and they see him alive. And as a result of that, 
they realize that he is the Savior he said he was, that he is the Messiah. And they go all over the world telling people that Jesus had died for them. They, they went to places who had never heard of Jesus and began to tell them, there was a man, God sent a man, he died for us and he raised from the dead. We know he died for us and he told us that it was for us. And he told us, this is the way you can remember that it was for you, is that take this bread and take this cup. And so lots of people began to believe that. The Jewish people began to believe that. Roman people began to believe that. Greek people began to believe that. And so there was this group of Greek believers who were celebrating this meal. They would have the cup and they would have the bread. And there was a man named Paul. Paul was pretty familiar with these guys. They had wrote a letter to Paul and he wrote a letter back to them. And it was these Greek Jesus followers in a place called Corinth that Paul wrote to. And Corinth is a real place. We're talking about real stories. So Paul writes his letter back to them. And these people had put their trust in Jesus. They'd been told about this remembrance meal. They hadn't seen the death of Jesus, but they were, they were celebrating and believing that Jesus had died for them. And Paul realizes that they're celebrating the event, but they're not doing it right. He's like, you know what, they, they've, maybe like some here tonight, they've, they, they, they take the cup, they, they eat the bread, but something's not quite right. And you know what he had heard? He, say, he begins to write to them. He's like, you know what, it gets, it's gotten back to me that, that this meal, that when you guys celebrate the Lord's Supper, it has nothing to do with the Lord. He's like, you guys think that whoever gets there first gets the most. And they're like, yeah, that's right, you know. Like, it was a good communion if you got there early. You got some bread, but skip the bread. Just go for the wine. Go for the good stuff. And he says, you know, it was like they, they would be saying to each other, yeah, it was a good communion, buddy. You know, maybe the poor people can drive us home because I'm, like, wasted. You should read the Bible. It's really interesting. That's in 1 Corinthians 11. He says that this is what's happening. And he's like, listen, that's not how this is supposed to be. Here, you're, you're taking advantage of the poor among you. They're going hungry and you're getting drunk. He's like, that has nothing to do with the Lord's table. You, you don't get it. You can't honor his sacrifice by dishonoring his people. And I'm like, well, how, they're, they're, they're the poor. What do you mean they're his people? They're, they're Gentiles. What do you mean they're his people? He's like, he died for the world. They're his people. Whoever you see, whoever you face, whoever you meet, they're his people. They're his children. And so, you know, he's, he commands them, hey, listen, remember why. Remember, remember the fact that I love those people so much is why I gave my life for them. And, you know, I thought about it because, you know, there's one way to make me really, really angry. Hide my Xbox controller. Then there's, I'm just kidding, there's another way to make me really, really angry, and that's to mess with my kids. If you mess with my kids, it doesn't matter how old you are or young you are, I'm going to probably mess with you, right? So, and maybe as parents, you're the same, right? Somebody does something to your kid, and, and it's like, oh, those kids are just the worst. Well, I remember years ago, uh, Lincoln was probably... I think it would have been just maybe about two or three. It would have been after the time that he was in the hospital. We were out at this um, McDonald's play place. Uh, it was pretty far away from here, so it's none of your children. But there was this kid. There was this, like, maybe four, maybe five. And, and I watch him in the play place, and he pushes my son. And I'm like, hey, you. And he looks at me, and I look at him. And I figure that'll be good enough. <laughs> then I keep eating my French fries, and a minute later, there he pushes Lincoln again. I'm like, hey, and I point at him this time because that means business, right? <laughs> then you point at him, I was like, no, no, no more. And he's looking at me like, like, all right, good. Then all of a sudden, Link's standing on this step. And, you know, 
They have that rubberized floor on there, but he hit it like face first. That was it. Threw my fries, got in, went into the ball pit, didn't even take my shoes off, ran up that slide all the way through that hollow tube, and I got right in this four-year-old's face and was like, you, that will never happen again. Then they called security and removed me from the place. They didn't. But I'm standing there. I'm like, all of a sudden it clicks in my head. Like, I'm telling off some other parent's four-year-old, and I'm looking like hoping it's not the huge burly guy that was sitting in the corner because he's going to be coming after me. But it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter, right, how old they are when they mess with your kids. And I, I think that God would feel the same way, that, you know, that how we treat his kids really matters to him. And that's why Paul is writing this letter saying, you, you know, you got to honor the body. It's not, it's not the, the body of Jesus that was on the cross. It's the, his body. It's his kids. It's his family. You need to honor his family. And part of this thing was remembering that, that my commandment was that you love one another. The command was that you would do it right. So Paul, he writes and he says this in 1 Corinthians 11. Let me remind you what this whole thing is all about. What this idea of the cup and the bread is all about. And you can follow along, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Paul says, I pass on to you guys. I'm reminding you guys what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. See, it sounds familiar, right? It sounds like what Luke wrote down. And Paul writes to them, he says, Then he broke it in pieces, and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I want you to look for the three words in yellow. I want you to remember those tonight. If you think in acronyms, just think about reps. If you work out, you do reps. If you don't work out, oh, well, just remember reps. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup of wine, after supper and said, this cup's the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. And for every time you eat this bread and you drink the cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. I just realized that none of those words start with the letters I thought. So um, that's okay, though, because, because they, they have synonyms that do. So tomorrow I will get this right. But here you go. Number one is remember. Remember, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Here's why we do this. You know, we said they didn't, need, they didn't need the bread and the wine, but it's good for us to help us remember. I liked Gary's story of his parents, you know, in their memory. And it, it reminds me of the two elderly people who are enjoying a conversation with their other elderly friends. And, and all of a sudden, the conversation is going great until Fred says, uh, you know, or the, the one guy says to his buddy, hey, Fred, you know, how was that memory clinic you went to last month? And he's like, oh, it was fantastic. He's like, it was so good. They taught us all of the, you know, the, the latest psychological techniques. You know, we know visualization. We know, you know, association, et cetera. It was great. And he's like, well, that's great. Hey, what was the name of the clinic you went to? Because I think I could use it. And all of a sudden, Fred goes blank. You know, he thought and he thought, but he, he just can't remember. And then all of a sudden, he gets this little smile on his face. It's like it's coming back to him. And then he says, Ah, what do you call that flower that's like, it's got the long stem, it's pretty at the thorns, and his body's like, oh, you mean a rose? He's like, that's it. Then he turns to his wife, Rose, what's the name of that clinic? <laughs> you know, we, we, we need something sometimes to try and help us remember, and, and I think that sometimes, don't miss the main point, that was just whatever. The main point is that the bread and the thing wasn't just so that we would remember or that we would remember that Jesus died on the cross. That, that's not what that was for because we, you, we see it everywhere. We don't really forget that Jesus died on the cross. What, it, what it's, this word remembrance means is I actively, intentionally call back to memory what, what Christ did for me. That it's not just, oh, I believe Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. 
that meant something for me. What did it mean for me? What did it mean for Mark? What did it mean for Bill, for Bob, for Sue, for, for Frank, for, for Simone, for Mark? What did it mean for you? Actively recalling to mind what Christ has done for you. That's why we take it. So we have a chance to remember. This is what Jesus did for me. The second one is exchange. That's the E. The exchange, because Jesus says this is a new covenant. And we don't use that word very often. Um, I know that some of you are studying it right now in our Bible study, the covenant study, and probably learning a lot of neat stuff. But in our culture, we don't really do covenants as much as we do contracts. Um, we're selling our house right now, and uh, there's, you know, they bring this contract, and they have this huge amount of things, and you just, you can sign the contract with the click of a mouse now, and I was like, that's pretty incredible, and you read through the contract, and there's promises, right? The one side says, I promise to do this if, if you do this. If you don't do that, then, then we're not doing this, and you're like, yes, I click to agree to that. I click to agree to that. I agree, I agree, I agree on both sides, and, and, but then what's interesting about the contract is it contains clauses, loopholes, right? Like it's got these areas where, yes, I've signed, I've committed, but I can still get out of this if I want to. You know, that's what we're so familiar with. When somebody says, yeah, this is, this is the contract that I agree to, that there's always a possibility they may get out of it. You know, marriage is another thing like that, that we've, we've, we've in our culture thought marriage was more of a contract that, ah, yeah, I'm making these promises till death do us part. Just hope it's her before me, you know, or, you know, till I'm with her forever. But, you know, wanting out at some point and thinking, you know, how many have just treated it like a contract. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He's like, actually, it's something much more powerful. This word covenant, much more powerful. He says, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling you this is a new contract. I'm telling you this is a new covenant. It's not signed with a click of a mouse or even a pen. It's signed with my blood. I'm willing to give my life for this new contract. And it's a new, or a new covenant. He says, it's a new covenant, meaning there was an old one. And those disciples who are sitting around there, they're good Jewish boys raised in Judaism. They, they, they didn't know it was called the Old Testament. It was just the law and the prophets to them. But they, they had this old, this old way that God dealt with people. And you know what it was? It was, it was very um, contractual in that if you do this, you'll be blessed. And if you do this, you'll be cursed. If you serve me, I'll bless your land. You go serve other gods, it's going to be bad for you. I'll send you into captivity. And if you pray, well, then I'll bring you back again. And as long as you worship me, it's going to be okay. But you, you, you mess up. It's good. And, and Israel, you read through the Old Testament. That's exactly what they did. It was back and forth all the time. Jesus says, you know what? My new covenant's not like that. This, it, it, it's so important that us as New Testament believers realize this, that, that Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm going to give my life for you if you really try hard to be a better person. You know, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to save you. I'm going to forgive your sins, but don't you dare screw up one more time or else you're out of the family. But how many times doesn't the enemy put those thoughts in our heads? Yeah, Jesus, I love you. And, and yet some of you sitting here tonight have so much guilt and shame of the, you know, you're a follower of Christ, but you've messed up this week. And it's like he's just pouring that on you right now. You just feel guilty, unworthy. He says, That's the, the, there's no loophole. I'm not, I'm not going to withdraw the sacrifice that I made. I've died to pay for all of the sins of the world. I paid so that you could experience freedom. It wasn't, if you do this, I'll do that. It was, I did this so that you can experience that. You know, the Jewish people of that day, they had a lot of difficulty breaking away from the Old Testament. It took them years and years and years. Peter, it took them like 20 years before he finally figured out that 
He didn't have to try and keep to the Old Testament laws and Old Testament rules. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like the old school pen pals. Um, anybody have pen pals when you were a kid, like back when they had pens and, and stamps and no email? Pre-email, you would send letters, and sometimes, you, you know, you get a pen pal, you didn't know them. Like, you just wrote letters to somebody, and then they would write letters back to you, and that's kind of how you got to know them. Well, this is kind of like what the Old Testament was like. God was writing letters to, these, to the people of Israel saying, hey, listen, I'm going to come visit the planet someday. And here's how you'll recognize me. This is what I'll be like. You know, this is, you're going to find a babe wrapped in a manger. And he's given them these hints of what he was going to look like when he got there. And then, you know, he, he shows up and they're like, they don't recognize him. It's not like he had email. He could send them a picture. It wasn't like they had a Facebook. Like Jesus is like, you know, God said, okay, you know what? I'll send my Facebook. Just check out my Facebook profile so you recognize what a baby in a manger looks like. You know, or you're going to recognize Jesus when he's on the planet. That's me. There was, no, there was no pictures for them to realize. And so he showed up, and they didn't recognize him. And actually when they did, when he said, hey, I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm the one who's been writing all the letters. Now I'm here to, so we can have relations. Like, we don't want you. We, we want the letters. You know, just, just send us some more letters. We'd rather keep all these rules or try to. We, we don't want you. You know, the ancient covenant ceremonies, the things that they, that they were so ingrained in, they understood how these ceremonies work. They realized that it involved exchanges. They, when, when the disciples heard covenant, they, they realized that this was an exchange of things. Uh, and in the ancient ceremonies of covenants, they would exchange all kinds of things. When they'd say, hey, let's have a covenant with one another, they'd give each other their coats. Then they would give each other their names. They'd give each other their weapons, their promises. They said, I'll take care of your kids. If something happens to, the, to you, you take care of mine. I got myself in a little bit of debt, Bob, but now that we're like in a covenant, you've you got to pay that. Where's our wallet, right? That's how, that's how that works. So you were really, really careful about who you got in a covenant with. Well, what Jesus did on this cross and in this covenant requires personal exchange. His life given for me, my life lived for him. See, there's something really, really personal and powerful about it. If your faith, if following Christ seems boring to you, I think you may be forgetting or have no idea how amazing this great exchange really is. The great exchange is incredible. Um, July 14, 2005, there's a name, guy named Kyle McDonald. You may have, may have heard of him, may have read of him. Kyle McDonald on that day traded a red paperclip for a shaped pen. One year later and 13 trades later, uh, he traded what he had, had re most recently received was, um, was a, a role in a movie. He traded that for that two-story house in the background. All he did was simply trade a red paperclip for something more, something better, something bigger and better until 13 trades later, he had a house in Saskatchewan. That's a pretty good trade. Paperclip for two-story house? If it was your two-story house, you'd be pretty impressed if you paid a paperclip for it. That's an impressive, impressive exchange. You know, sometimes we forget how great the exchange is of what Christ did for us. It's way bigger than that. It's way better than that. Here's a couple of things. He took my death penalty and gave me life. He took my bondage, made me free. Because of his stripes, I can be healed. Because he was rejected, I can be accepted. Because he took my judgment, I am forgiven. Not that, I, that, that, you know, that I, I'm forgiven until my next I'm forgiven. He's forgiven me, not based on my behavior, but based on his sacrificial love for me. While I was still a sinner is when he died for me. And you can see the list of all of the things here, death for life, sin for righteousness, law for grace, condemnation for justification, flesh for spirit, slavery for sonship, bondage for freedom. Which side are you living on? 
Man, it's powerful what Christ has done for us, and it was meant to be personal. I'm celebrating this because of what Christ has done for me. And the last one is this, proclaim. Remember, exchange. There's got to be this thing that's personal, and then proclaim. Because it was meant to be public. Just like baptism, when people go into baptism, the water of baptism, they're declaring publicly that, that Christ's death was for them. That they are like going under the water, dying with Christ, coming up out of the water, living new life with him. It's the same with this, with communion. It's publicly saying, yeah, I'm, I, I'm taking this because it's, I'm part of this. I remember the songs, you know, I'm trading my sorrows, uh, Amazing Grace. We had this one kid who loved that song in our church. He, just, he used to sit right here and he'd yell from the front seat, can we do trading for sorrows again? I'm like, well, I don't really want to trade for sorrows, but yeah, we can trade, you know, trading my sorrows. If you know that I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my shame. I'm trading it all for the joy of the Lord. The song we used to sing called Amazing Love which says this, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well because your spirit lives in me because you died and rose again. It was meant to be this public opportunity to just say, yes, it's I'm, Jesus, I don't forget what you did for me and I, I'm engaged in this. You take communion, you can take it you know, together in a group, but you can take it anytime, anywhere. You know, for some that thought, well, this is just this ceremony, ceremonial tradition we do in a building, in a church. But it wasn't meant to be that. It was meant to be communion with your Heavenly Father, remembering wherever you are, what Christ has done for you. I remember the last, um, uh, last year when my niece Eden was in the hospital. We, just, we went, my family and my kids and, and her, uh, her brothers and sisters and her parents, and we brought the guitar and we brought a big bottle of grape juice and we brought big cups and we brought a big loaf of bread and we went into her hospital room. And as she was laying in her bed fighting cancer, we stood around that room and all of us, kids included, began to just pour that juice and began to sing and take communion, remembering what Christ had done for Eden. In that moment, just spending that time proclaiming the great exchange over her life. You know, Martin Frobisher on the icy shores of Arctic Canada got his men together and said, let's proclaim what Christ has done for us. It's amazing. You don't even have to celebrate it on this planet. For some of you, you know Buzz Aldrin on Sunday, July 20th, 1969. Buzz, who was an elder of his church, he celebrated communion along with his church. The only thing is that he was celebrating it in the Apollo 11 lunar module, which was on the moon. Just hours after he and Neil Armstrong uh, or before him and Neil Armstrong were to walk on the moon, is the very first thing that was ever eaten or drank on the moon was communion. Interesting thought. It doesn't matter where you celebrate it. What matters is why and how you celebrate it. And so in closing tonight, 1 Corinthians 11, after that it says this, and here's the one thing that maybe gets some of you hung up a little bit, and I want to uh, just bring a little clarity. It's just so, so after he said, you know, hey, you guys have been kind of messing this up, he says this in verse 27, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Anybody been in churches before where they read this to you and you're like, you know what, you got to examine your life. So start looking at your life. And if you sinned this week, you might not be worthy. Only those who are without sin may take the cup. I've been in churches like that, and it would only be the elders on the front row who would take communion because they were the only ones who were worthy. But what Paul's saying to them is he's not talking about them being worthy or not to take it. And here's the thought. Unworthily is not unworthy. Unworthy is this question, am I good enough? And he's like, that's the reason we're doing this is because you're not good enough, but I am. You couldn't do this on your own, but I did. You couldn't stop sinning, so I paid for it. What you're remembering is that it's not about you, but it's about me. 
So tonight, if you're here and the enemy tries to tell you anything else, just know that what he did on the cross, remember that what he did on the cross was for you. When he said, my body was broken for you, so yours doesn't have to be. My blood was shed on that cross to pay your penalty, so yours doesn't have to be. And so what does it mean? Examine yourself. It's asking yourself these questions. You know, am I honoring his body? Am I honoring his kids? Do I have anything against anybody right now? Am I holding unforgiveness against anyone in the, in the body of Christ, whether it meets here or somewhere else? Is there anything that I've got to get right with some other people? Am I remembering what Christ did for me? Or am I just, is it just something I'm doing because this is what we do? So the question is, are you following Christ? Do you identify yourself with what Christ has done for you? Paul said it this way, and I hope these words are true for, for you. I believe that they can be true for each and every one of us is this. Paul said this in Galatians 2.20. My old self, that's been crucified with Christ. That's no longer, it's not I who live uh, anymore, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not this idea of I'm dead. No, I'm alive, but I don't live just for me anymore. I live because Christ, what he's done, I believe Christ is in me, and I just live trusting what Jesus did for me. So I'm not going to try and be a better person. I'm just going to stay connected to him and trust that what he's done forgives, washes it all away. I'm going to trust him to be my freedom. And so tonight, as we uh, take the elements of communion, for you, if you're a follower of Jesus, well, let's start the other side. If you're not a follower of Jesus and it's not, you know, that it doesn't, it, none of the stuff that we've talked about is real for you tonight, well, then it's just a snack. But for those who here tonight say, and, and for, it can be for you, to, you know, for those of you here tonight who are a follower of Christ, it is a powerful, life-changing reminder for each and every one of us of what Christ has done and that he still wants to be changing your life in a powerful way. And I guess I should say for those of you tonight who are not followers of Christ, maybe you feel real guilty, maybe you think God doesn't love you, maybe you think you know, you're, you're not worthy enough uh, or you don't even know if God exists. Can I tell you that he loves you, that he exists, that he sent his son so that you would know how much he loves you? And tonight... Maybe for the first time, you can receive him by receiving communion and saying, Jesus, I trust that you did this for me. Maybe for the first time, that'll be you putting your trust in Christ. And the life with him, oh man, life with him is incredible. Incredible. No matter what you walk through, he's there. You'll never be alone again. You know, you're never going to have to walk with guilt and shame. You might, but you don't have to because he takes it all. You want that fresh start, that's what he gives you, the fresh start. So tonight we're going to watch a video as they uh, bring the emblems of communion. And you know what? It's, um, we'll probably take it together, but if at the end or during the song, you know what? I just want you to think about Christ has done for you. And you can take the, the bread and the, and the cup at any time you want during the song. So thanks, fellas. see 
Just take a moment to remember what Christ has done for you. Not for the world, but for you personally. And let's just think about that exchange. What do you need to exchange tonight? Maybe it's pain for healing. Maybe it's those grudges you're holding that you just need to give over to him. Maybe it's shame that you're just just torments you just to give over to him tonight. So this is my body. It was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. With the cup. I don't, I don't know, but the thing I'm most thankful for 
baskets and all the stuff that God's blessed me with, you know, some pretty amazing things, is the fact that I am forgiven, that every day his mercy is new. You can walk through life free, free. And the same is for you tonight. As you take this, just know it's washed away. So you can live life with him because of him. Let's do that together. pray with you, but feel free to pray in your own words to him tonight. Jesus, I just want to say thank you for your incredible sacrifice. I have no way of imagining how painful the cross must have been. I haven't seen it, but I know it was rough. I know that you did it for me, so thank you. Thank you for seeing me in my brokenness. Thank you for seeing me when I was lost, thank you for reaching me, giving me life. Jesus, thank you that as we take this bread and this cup, we've taken it in. May it just help us to remember that we're, we've taken you in. And wherever we go, you are with us. And may we allow that out to others that we come in contact with. Lord, may they see you. They see you and me. May they see you and us. Love you. Thank you for loving us first. It's in your awesome name and because of you. Amen.